Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, some NFL executives that are hired lay the foundation of a franchise, setting it up for long-term success. Then they are gone. Others not only lay the foundation, but they close it out. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, three, two, one, go. NFL historians, yes, this show is for you, but it's not for the know-it-alls. Keep scrolling, find another show. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to teach, to enlighten, even the stuff that I'm learning, okay? But please, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always here to learn. It is the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Catch us on bellyupsports.com. Our writers, our content creators, the podcast, the shows that are on YouTube, also Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of those great podcasting show platforms. All right. So we're going to move forward really quickly. Look here. It's time for week 14, the rundown. It was a week of defense, backup quarterbacks replacing starters, blown leads, and blowouts. So we started with Thursday night football. Now, Is it possible to lose four games in one night as a fan? Of course it is. Of course. All right. So my daughter is a cheerleader in middle school, Haynes Middle School here in Nashville. And on last Thursday, I spent most of it at two basketball games uh, in East Nashville. Haynes Middle School basketball is respectable, but the girls got whooped. Then the boys team got worked. And then I'm sitting there watching in, you know, like, halfway through the boys game it was kind of late normally we're done with basketball by then but I'm sitting there and my Steelers are literally getting cooked Uh, I'm watching the game on my phone in the stands I have it on in my car on the way home Uh, got home and really got it was the second quarter by the time I got home watched all the way okay had it on all the way and Minnesota, Minnesota, they had 300 yards of total offense at halftime. Running back Dalvin Cook had 153 yards at halftime and two scores. And it was 24 to Jack. 
Pittsburgh, de uh, their def defense, excuse me, clearly took a week off. I know they're better than that. I'm also scrolling a little bit on Twitter, and uh, I see a tweet by the Nick Rodriguez podcast. It basically asked which team was more desperate to win. I commented, definitely the Vikings, because heads were rolled, and I was right. The Vikings did play desperate, and yes, the Steelers literally got cooked. All of that was before Pittsburgh outscored Minnesota 28-7 in the second half. You can trust the Vikings to hold a lead just as much as you can trust my two sons taking out the trash without me asking. You just can't do it. It does not happen, okay? And I must say that the reason Pittsburgh keeps Big Ben around is that last throw to the tight end, Fryermuth. Yeah, Fryermuth in the fourth quarter. Threaded the needle between three defenders, hitting the guy in the hands. It was a tough catch, you know, to try to make while getting hit. But, I mean, look, we can't. We, yes, I'm a fan. We cannot get down 24 to nothing. And it should have been worse. Should have been 27 to nothing. Or maybe even 31 to nothing. All right, so we move to Sunday. The afternoon games. Raiders defensive end. Yannick Ndakwe, you invited your teammates to meet at the Chiefs logo pregame. Y'all want to have a meeting. Not very bright. And you would think they would have learned from last year when the Raiders did that victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium after they beat Kansas City. Cue the Price is Right music. The wrong answer music. Exactly. The Chiefs did not forget. After that 48-9 beatdown of Las Vegas, of course, this song played. At Arrowhead, the wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. The wheels on the bus go round. Come on, kids. All through the town. Yay! All right. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. The Raiders are going the, uh, the other way, the opposite direction. All right. Seahawks at Texans. Uh, Rashard Penny, only 16 carries. But he had a career-high 137 yards, scored two touchdowns. At one point, it was the only close game of that early window. I think it was like 19-13. to 13. Then Seattle blew the doors off the Texans. Hmm. Baltimore is in trouble. It's looking a little bit better since Coach Harbaugh says, well, I expect Lamar Jackson to play. We talked all last week about injuries that Baltimore has had, and you know, one person, the one person that could not afford to go down was Lamar Jackson. He's already doing it by himself. Then that has he has the ankle injury. Now he's supposed to play against the Packers or whatnot. We'll see what happens. They got some tough games to try to finish this thing off. But I'm said I've said this all year. You know, at least once, just as soon as that onside kick happens from the Browns. Uh, you know, Browns to the Ravens. I'm thinking the Ravens, yeah, they're going to get the ball and they're probably going to win this game. But I've also said this as well, you know, before they lost the game. This time there was no Lamar Jackson. Cleveland got outscored 16 to nothing in the second half and they still get the win. I still don't know how, but, you know, uh, that's football. That's the NFL for you. Just when you think you know it all, just like you think that you know what's going to happen, you have no idea. You know, Huntley comes in, filling in for Lamar Jackson, and the guy literally almost won the game. Brought them all the way back against Cleveland. 
And speaking of Cleveland, Miles Garrett got a sack, fumble, fumble recovery, and a touchdown all on the same play. That's impressive. Now, the last time Tennessee, the Titans, shut someone out at home was on Monday Night Football, December 25th, 2000, against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys weren't that great back then. It was 31 to nothing. 21 years later, the Jacksonville Jaguars were the recipient of a 20 to nothing loss. Four interceptions off of Trevor Lawrence does help, especially when you're trying to stay atop the division. Okay, you're down all of these players. No Derrick Henry. You don't have your leading receiver in A.J. Brown. Um, you're you're kind of hemorrhaging players, your good players. At least Julio came back, and that helped out as well. But on the other side, of, on the other sideline, Urban Meyer and his squad, they were officially eliminated from the playoffs, as if. And speaking of which, I am still staring, standing firm that this guy will not be in Jacksonville past two years. If he makes it after this year, we'll see. The Saints go visit the Jets. Welcome back, Alvin Kamara. And I'm sure Jets cornerback Bryce Hall wished he had waited one more week. He juked him out of his underwear. All right. Hall's draws was on the ground. That was an impressive touchdown run. The Saints... Uh, defensive end Cameron Jordan he missed the game for the first time in 171 starts COVID yeah of course speaking of which good God what 37 cases this week yeah, it's left and right right now I mean, if you're asymptomatic I get that's a good thing it is a good thing um, as long as you, you know, you're vaccinated but still I mean that's a lot of cases but Taysom Hill he put on the show they beat the Jets, who were missing their top two receivers and their top two running backs. Well, 30 to 9. That was it. And no more Jets playoff hopes. That's those are those have been gone. All right, Cowboys, Washington. Are you kidding me? Micah Parsons. He's embarrassing the whole Washington offensive line. Taylor Heineke, excuse me, has no run support from Antonio Gibson. He had what 36 yards on 10 carries. It's 24 to nothing. Fast forward to the fourth quarter. Dak, he was wide open. Your tight end Schultz was wide open. I literally just got off the phone with my brother, the Cowboys fan. And I, I believe Dak is still hurt. I think, I think he's still hurt. And he's trying to play through it. But that's still not an excuse for not pulling the trigger when someone's wide open. And you throw a pick six. Not good. Not good. But still, in the end, the Dallas... Defense, very impressive. Y'all stepped the game up. Thanks for the 20 points in fantasy. And y'all got the win. I'm cool. I'm cool. All right. Moving on. Falcons at Panthers. Atlanta, they probably prefer to play road games. They improved to 6-7 and seven on the year. Every win has been on the road. They are 6-2 and two to be exact and defeated at home. I hate to be a Falcons fan right now. But keep this in mind, though. On the other end, the Carolina Panthers, remember all those teams that start off undefeated? You had the Raiders and the Panthers, a couple other squads. They started 3-0, Carolina did. They're now 2-8 in their last 10 games. Woof. All right, so the afternoon window, pregame, the Denver Broncos organization, they set up a memorial for fans to honor former wide receiver Demarius Thomas, who was found... He passed away at his home. He was found dead at the age of 33. 
uh the jets they also had um you know a moment of silence i, I believe maybe even the texans who he played for for a short time i think uh, they did the same thing but he was a bronco all right overall he was a bronco and the team they honored thomas with a 38 to 10 beatdown of the detroit lions now uh, outside of the game at one point in my fetish career and you probably won't believe this but my route number was 111 111 my locker number was 11 the combo to that locker, I'm not kidding, was 111-1. I am not making this up. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. I, I don't think you can. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm not kidding. That is Detroit's record after Sunday's loss to the Broncos. My locker combo. Hmm. I have to be honest. I love Justin Herbert. No shade. I mean, the Chargers, I mean, I... I feel like I'm picking on the Chargers at this point. Uh, if I want to say that they look good against bad teams, but I mean, it seems like everybody's record is like seven and six, five and eight. They kind of like right there in the middle. And then you have the Packers and the and the uh, who is it? The, the Packers. You have the Cardinals. Uh, I think the Rams. I mean, all, all these teams they have like ten wins. Uh, there but all the rest of the league is like right there in the middle just just hovering right there in the middle and look it's 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 wild i mean it's wild the way that that happens but the chargers they're a good team i mean they're up and down you have good games you have bad games wins against some of the better teams in the early part of the season loss you know losing games against some of the serious playoff contenders here and there but uh, we'll know on Thursday, they have the Chiefs, and outside of uh, two-win Texans, they play the Broncos and the Raiders. We will see come playoff time. The Giants, on the other hand, no playoffs for you. 49ers fans, you can blame me, all right? We hadn't heard from Jamar Chase in weeks, and I said as much. Week 7, he had 201 yards receiving. Since then, he had only 249 yards. He scored twice on Sunday, and he showed his butt God, the boy, he's so good. He's so good. They came back. The Bengals came back to tie the 49ers at 20. It was great watching NFL Red Zone because they're going back and forth between this game and then the Buccaneers and Bills game. Two former New England quarterbacks. Brady trying to keep his team in the lead and Garoppolo trying to retake it. Yes, San Francisco blew a 20-6 lead. Yes, George Kittle torched the Bengals. And yes, Brandon Ayuk scored the game winner in overtime sorry Bengals. now and if you don't know by now bucks is hosting the bills if you don't know by now the goat otherwise known as tom brady will hold ever every single passing record in the book when he retires this vampire now holds the record for touchdown passes passing yards and now completions buffalo your running game is on a milk carton at one point Cart. Yes, I know. I had to pronounce it. <laughs> Enunciate. <laughs> on a milk carton. On a milk carton. At one point, the Buffalo Bills ran a fake punt. They gave it to a running back, Matt Breida, and the Bucks blew it up. This was in, what, early third quarter? No running back was actually handed a ball, handed a football. No one running play call for an actual running back. All Josh Allen. 
all Josh Allen running plays, a total of five. Everything else was throwing. Yes, the Buccaneers blew a 27-10 lead. And yes, the Bills came back and took Tampa to overtime. And yes, the GOAT through the game winner. Look, not bad Bill Belichick. You had two really good quarterbacks. I mean, one is the great one, and the other one, he's he's okay. He's a play-action guy, and as long as he's got some good support, he's, he's decent. He's not a bad quarterback at all. Sunday night, though, Bears at the Packers. Got to hand it to Chicago. They hung in there. Offense, defense, special teams. 45 points between both of these teams in the second quarter alone. Second half, well, maybe the Bears should have shot Aaron Rodgers in his broken pinky toe. Or at least stepped on it. Monday Night Football, Rams at Cardinals. Week 5, the Rams got beat at home by the Cardinals 37-20. They had Jalen Ramsey. They had Darrell Henderson Jr. Tyler Higby. I hate COVID. These three, along with what your starting right tackle in the backup corner, they didn't play on Monday Night Football. They didn't play. And Kyler Murray, you've got to stop doing these pregame interviews. You lost again after one of those interviews. If you've heard me say this before, I can't remember what week it was. Hey, oh, I know it was when they played the Packers. They do this interview and the one-on-one. They play it during Monday Night Countdown. And then you end up losing the game. The last time you did that, that's what happened. You know, I mean, Murray made so many plays last night. And like I said, the last time you did that primetime, your team got beaten, you got hurt. You was out for what? A, a, a month. Almost a month. Yeah, a month. Four weeks. The Cardinals, they turned the football over two, uh, two times too many. That was Kyler Murray's interceptions. And the Cardinals just couldn't keep up. Cooper Cup, he torched the Arizona defense. He had a career-high 13 catches. The entire Rams defense, oh, God. You know, they, they, were, they were really good last night. They were really, really good. I'm thinking no Jalen Ramsey and D-Hop is going to get off. This dude's dropping. He dropped a pass last night. He never drops a pass. He dropped his first pass of the season on a fourth down play. They needed it. Uh, great game at, at one point. And then, like I said, it just the, the Rams, it was the Rams' day. Their night, excuse me. Their night. And wins, they're not a quarterback stat. Kyler Murray is now, though, 1-5 in his career against the Rams. And that one win came in week five of this season. Coming up next, just like there is a reason you hire head coaches, there's a reason you hire general managers to change the culture of your franchise and win, much like the Cardinals, much like the Rams, whether they are there or not. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.
Okay, so I collected football cards real heavy as a kid. And I remember one time I had this football card of this bald-headed white guy with these these little glasses. Uh, had cul-de-sac. And at the bottom it had the name George Young. I'm like, who is that? You know, he was affiliated with the Giants. Oh, general manager. Oh, okay. I mean, raise your hand if you know who George Young is. Now, Titans fans, New York Giants, excuse me, I said Titans, didn't I? New York Giants fans, they will know who George Young is, okay? They definitely know who George Young is. The New York Giants are one of the oldest NFL franchises in history. 97 years to be exact, the Giants appeared in 15 championship games from 1927, they were founded in 25, to 1963, winning it all four times. New York would have only two winning seasons for the next 17 years from 64 going on, you know, for the next 17 years. The team New York lost to twice in consecutive NFL championships, including that 58 overtime thriller, the first overtime championship game in NFL history, was the Baltimore Colts. The coach for Baltimore at the time was Pro Football Hall of Famer Weeb Eubank, who would be fired three years later, and was replaced by another Hall of Famer to be Don Shula in 1963. That same year, the Giants played in their third consecutive NFL championship. Five years later, Shula hired Baltimore native George Young as an assistant in the Colts personnel department. In 1970, though, Shula had loved to become coach of the Miami Dolphins. We've talked about this a lot. Man, I'm just telling you right now. I'm going to say this right now. Super Bowl V, if you really think about Super Bowl V, you'll look in, whether you're listening to my show, if you look for yourself, there were a lot of people on the sidelines that day for Dallas and for the Broncos, whether they were, I mean Broncos, for Dallas or for the Colts. I'm thinking about horses, y'all. <laughs> for the for the Colts and for the Cowboys, whether they were in the box whether they were on the sideline or on the field, coaches, players, executives, scouts, or PR people, they held a place in the history of pro football. And it just also shows, and this show will tell you just how small of a circle it really is in the NFL. But anyway, Young was actually promoted. George Young was promoted to offensive line coach for the Colts. That same year, uh, they beat Dallas in Super Bowl V. By 1973, Young held positions of scout, director of player personnel, and office of coordinator. But check this out. According to Tom, excuse me, Tom Canavan of AP News, quote, Young was in line to become the next GM when a trade changed everything in 1972. In July, and we've talked about this before, Robert Ursay bought the Los Angeles Rams and then traded the franchise to the Colts older Carol Rosenblum for his team. Ursay hired Joe Thomas as his GM and Young returned to coaching the Colts line, only to be fired late in training camp in 1974. Now look, the move came after Atlanta coach Marion Campbell inserted his starters back into an exhibition game and the Baltimore quarterback of the time, Burt Jones, the number two overall draft pick that year before was sacked on four straight plays and said, 
Ernie Acorsi, you'll know, you'll hear about this name later, who ran the Colts public relations department, Young was fired the next day. That's wild. That is wild. According to Acorsi, the next year, Young reunited with Shula in Miami, and he paid him to scout the Dolphins' opponents for $100 a game. In 75, Young was promoted to the Dolphins' director of player personnel. Wow. I mean, I mean that's good. Then you have another one of these guys up under the, the, the guidance of Shula on a really good franchise that's been to Super Bowls and all of that, right? Well, Love was in the air on February 14th, 1979. The New York Giants hired George Young away from Miami to become their general manager. Yet again, another one plucked from up under the tutelage of Don Shula and one that Shula called, quote, his right-hand man. That's what he called him. The former GM, Andy Robustelli. Now, for those who don't know, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a defensive end and was a multi-time Pro Bowler and All-Pro for the Rams and the Giants. I believe it was in between the 50s and 60s. Now, he had just resigned in December of 1978, shortly after New York's sixth straight losing season. Now, the miracle in the Meadowlands happened that year, too. Yeah, Herm Edwards uh, for the Eagles. He picks up Joe Pasarczyk's fumble, the quarterback. All he has to do is hand it to Larry Zonka, the former Miami Dolphin running back. Hand it off, and the game is over with. What do they do? They fumble it, and Herm picks it up returns it for a touchdown they win the game that was that was really bad <laughs> but the hiring of young was basically a compromise though between co-owners wellington mara and his nephew tim both of whom had their own candidates to re replace robustelli wellington mara's first choice was actually uh, already in the building this guy by the name of terry bledsoe who ended up as george young's assistant the assistant GM, but these were Tim Mara's first choices. None other than Cowboys scout Gil Brandt and, Ram and the Rams' Don Klosterman, two guys we've talked about before. One's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the other, we've already said it here, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Pretty good track records. The 79 NFL Draft, they featured many notable names such as Dan Hampton, uh, Joe Montana, Kellen Winslow, all of which are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Even Bill Cowher, who was an undrafted free agent linebacker who was picked up by and signed by the Philadelphia Eagles. You might know him. He's a Hall of Fame coach who was with the Steelers. Uh, and even my buddy, my friend, Bill's pass rusher, Ken Johnson. I've told you before that 49er head coach Bill Walsh ended up settling for Joe Montana. But he wanted Phil Sims out of Moorhead State. Nobody knew who he was. Now listen, according to ProFootballHallOfFame.com, George Young had, he was a guy that put strong emphasis on the NFL draft. Now, 119 of his selections throughout his years with New York, they played at some point, and it all started with Young's first draft pick, Phil Sims. George Young drafted Sims seventh overall, right in front of running back OJ Anderson of the Cardinals, who was selected by the St. Louis Cardinals. More on that later. This prompted people to ask Phil who? <laughs> they had no idea who he was. In 1981, 
Young drafted perhaps the greatest linebacker of all time. I believe he is the greatest linebacker of all time. Lawrence Taylor. He was picked second overall out of North Carolina. And then the next year, Young promoted one-time linebackers coach turned defensive coordinator and lifetime Giants fan, Bill Parcells, who ended up in the Hall of Fame, to be the head coach. These three pieces, along with the eventual Hall of Fame linebacker, Harry Carson, running back Joe Morris, tight end Mark Bavaro, linebacker Carl Banks, they formed a, a nucleus. That's not even all of the guys, but they formed a nucleus. These are the guys, the names, that would win two Super Bowls and become a perennial championship contender from 1980, I mean, from 1981 to 1990. The Giants finally broke through in 86, winning Super Bowl 21 against John Elway and the Denver Broncos, the Giants' first championship since 1956. Phil Simms, Phil who, won MVP. He completed 88% of his passes that day. Couldn't miss almost. I mean, he had 11 in a row, which was a Super Bowl record. That year, also, LT was the NFL MVP. Going back to those 86 Giants, that, you know, if you just think about what happened midseason, New York actually traded for running back OJ Anderson, who he was a Pro Bowl level running back. He lost his job to Stump Mitchell in St. Louis. Anderson would emerge as the starter in 1990 late in the season because of injuries to their rookie running back that was supposed to be the next guy in line after joe morris rodney hampton out of georgia anderson who was drafted right behind phil sims again he won super bowl 25 mvp and he literally carried the giants offense in the playoffs the guy if you know anything about the story he put on his instead of putting on his game pants the guy put on his practice pants and then he and uh Bill Parcells made him wear those practice pants in every game, you know, throughout the playoffs. I don't remember if it was regular season, but it was definitely in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. You look at his pants and everybody else's, go back and look at the film. That's all you need to do. Go back and look at the film. He's got on his practice pants, and he won MVP in those practice pants. Um, and in New York, behind backup quarterback Jeff Hosteller, because uh, that second you know, Super Bowl run. Uh, Phil Sims got help, uh, got hurt for a second time that season. I can't remember. I think it was a, I think it was some kind of foot injury, uh, some kind of leg injury. But Hostetler, who didn't even get, he was in the stands for the '86 Super Bowl four years, four or five years earlier. He didn't even get to dress with the team, uh, but he was the starting quarterback for the. Giants going throughout that playoff run, you know, and at the end of the season as well. And he did the job, he did it well. So, and then them along with that nasty defense led by LT, head coach Bill Parcells, the Giants upset the defending Super Bowl champion San Francisco 49ers, who were going for a three-peat before beating the Buffalo Bills, who were favored in that game 20 to 19. Thank God my man missed that field goal. <laughs> but it was great I mean that season ended great it was moves like that by Young and that front office that made the Giants what they were by the time the Giants had won Super Bowl 25 in 90 New York had 6 playoff berths and 3 NFC East titles between 81 and 90 Parcells left New York after that Super Bowl and eventually Young would hire 3 coaches between 91 and 97 2 of which 
one coach of the year. Yes, Dan Reeves, the same Dan Reeves that he beat in Super Bowl 21 that took the Broncos to what? One, two, three Super Bowls in the AFC? Yeah, he hired that guy. Didn't last long, but he hired the guy. Um, and Jim Fossil, who just passed away earlier this year, this summer, as a matter of fact. Um, in 97, George Young's final year, the Giants won the NFC East, and they moved on to the playoffs. They, I think they had a one-point loss in the wild-card game against the, um, uh, was it? oh, it was the Minnesota Vikings. And look, I, I mean, you can't win it every year, right? <laughs> but to get to the playoffs with the team that they had even then was a feat in itself, all right? So uh, four years later, in 2001, Fossil and the Giants would reach Super Bowl 35. And they lost to the Baltimore Ravens. That 2000 Ravens defense was nasty. And they were a new expansion franchise, you know, from a couple of years earlier. They replaced the Colts, by the way, in Baltimore when Robert Ursay secretly moved his franchise in the middle of the night to Indianapolis back in 84. Young retired in 98 and joined Commissioner Paul Tagliabue, who is being inducted into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. He had joined Tagliabue in the front office as a, with a newly formed position, by the way, as Director of Football Operations. Now, according to Michael Eisen of Giants.com, George Young, he was named NFL Executive of the Year, I think it was a record, five times, five, 84, 86, 90, 93, and 97. The person who receives that honor from the Sporting News is presenting, presented annually with the George Young NFL Executive of the Year Award. Also, Young had drafted the three top rushers in Giants history, Tiki Barber, Rodney Hampton, Joe Morris, uh, Amani Toomer, who was the most productive receiver in Giants history, uh, and then the players that are uh, ranked one through three in career sacks. Michael Strahan, uh, Lawrence Taylor, and Leonard Marshall, another one of those nasty defenders. And three other members of the Ring of Honor were drafted by George Young. Bravaro, Carl Banks, and then Jesse Armstead. Now, 11 months after the Giants appeared in Super Bowl 35, Young had passed away from a rare neurological, well, boy, I, I butchered that word, neurological, uh, neurological, there it is, neurological disorder, December 8th, 2001. Again, in 19 years as general manager for the New York Giants, his teams made the playoffs eight times and won two Super Bowls. Three times they were eliminated on the final day of the season, which speaks volumes. He was inducted into the Giants Ring of Honor in 2010 and posthumously inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2020. When Young retired in 1998, his job was taken by Ernie Accorsi, who we did mention before. Accorsi was the GM for the Giants, who went 12-4 under Jim Fossil when he lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl. But it's what he did after this that set the Giants up for another Super Bowl run. I'll explain. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. To me, George Young and Ernie Acorsi are forever linked because of the Super Bowl wins between the Baltimore Colts and the New York Giants. Remember, George Young, he made it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a GM and, you know, in the contributor uh, category because of the franchise's success and, you know, the Super Bowl wins. Of course, he was more of a setup man. Now, if you haven't heard that name before, Ernie Accorsi, in the first place, don't worry about it. That's what I'm here for, okay? That's what I'm here for. He began his career in the NFL with, guess who? Yeah, the Baltimore Colts. As a PR director, he was on the sideline in 1971 for Super Bowl V, and that went against Dallas. Um, and that's where he met George Young when he was when he joined that uh, joined that organization in 1970. He held that position all the way until 1974, and then he ended up working in the commissioner's office in 1975 with Pete Rozelle. In 77, he ended up getting the assistant general manager job with the Baltimore Colts. Fast forward to 1982, Robert Orsay decides to fire his present. GM and move of course he into that job now <laughs> he had to ride out a really terrible shortened season that was the strike shortened season which the Colts ended up being 08 and 1 and then there's the 1983 draft the next year the Colts have the number one pick and the top prospect was John Elway Elway Wanted no part of head coach Frank Cush, who was half crazy. I think he got he lost a job in college already uh, before and then because he liked to put his hands on players, um, you know, rough them up. But he wanted no part of Robert Ursay or the Colts organization. And ultimately, Ursay wanted to trade uh, that pick away. Uh, while of course he wanted to pick him, he wanted to do his job and pick the best player on the board and it was i was gonna pick elway no matter what that's what ernie of course he has said now john elway ended up getting selected by the colts even though he knew that not only john elway his father jack elway and their agent well elway's agent marvin demoff i mean just watch the espn 30 for 30 uh, L from uh, Elway to Marino, my favorite 30 for 30, you know, period. But they made it publicly clear that they didn't want the Colts. In the end, Robert Ursay basically took over Corsi's office during the draft and even afterwards, making phone calls. And he basically traded with Denver, who had selected Chris Hinton, for John Elway. And they did that, you know, they involved another player. I think it was Mark Herman, who was the quarterback, and another pick. Uh, of course, he wanted three number one picks and two second rounders. That's what he wanted. He wanted two number ones for the 83 draft, one number one in the 84 draft, 
and two twos. That's what he wanted. Didn't get none of that stuff. Now, after the 83 season, of course, he resigned. The Colts, they went 79. And, of course, Ursay moves his team to Indianapolis. Of course, he ends up landing with the Cleveland Browns as the GM. Three times they nearly made the Super Bowl. And guess who beat them in two AFC Championship games? Yeah. John Elway and the Denver Broncos. Two games Browns fans would rather forget. The drive and the fumble. I know you just gritted your teeth hard. You might have just cut me off. But, I mean, th those are two games that they would rather forget. Now, all, they had put together some really good teams in Cleveland. Of course, he was the GM of that. I mean, you had uh, some of these guys, I believe, were there before him, but then some were there after. I mean, you had Bernie Kosar, Kevin Mack, Clay Matthews, Webster Slaughter, Ernest Biner, Frank Minifield, not to mention head coach Marty Schottenheimer. You know, God rest his soul. But fast forward to 2004. Of course, he's been the GM for the New York Giants since 98 after George Young stepped down and retired. The previous quarterback, Kerry Collins, was on his way out. Of course, he needed a replacement. Enter Eli Manning, the number one prospect in that draft out of Ole Miss. Of course, you got the exact same thing that's going on in this draft as it did in the 83 draft. This time, of course, he is on the other side of it. Eli Manning and the Mannings, no matter what story you want to believe, whether it was Eli's daddy, Archie, that orchestrated this whole thing, they wanted no part of the San Diego Chargers. Period, point blank. Eli did not want to play for them. The Giants had the fourth pick. Of course, he wanted Eli Manning and at the last minute AJ Smith I believe the GM of the Chargers at the time they made uh, an agreement had an agreement and so what ends up happening was uh, San Diego they select Eli Manning number one the Giants take Phillip Rivers they swap boom bang pow and the rest is history of course he uh, he stays on with the Giants until 2006 when he stepped down after that year, the next year, in 2007, the Giants win the Super Bowl against the undefeated New England Patriots. Then they win again in 2011 against the New England Patriots. <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. You saw the games. You saw the games. Ernie, of course, he set the table for the Giants' success. And then Jerry Reese, who took over in 2007, he's a witness to that. He knows. Here's a list of some of the players that, of course, he brought in. O.C. Umanura, Chris Snee on the offensive line, Matthias Kiwanuka and Justin Tuck. And then you have free agents like uh, Plexico Burris and Antonio Pierce. And then on top of that, he hired Tom Coughlin. So as writer Ben Donahue put it, Ernie Acorsi had more hits than misses in his career. But just ask yourself. Yeah, he wasn't there for those Super Bowls. I understand that. But just ask yourself, who were the pass rushers brought in by that put Brady on his back constantly in Super Bowl 42? I mean, outside of Michael Strahan, who else was back there? What they call it, the NASCAR or whatever it was? Yeah, that was O.C., that was Tuck, as well as uh, Kiel Winuka and all those. That, 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 those are the guys that were playing in that game. Who caught the game-winning touchdown pass? Uh, yeah, Plexico Burris did, right? 
Who was the head coach of both of those teams? And if you want to take it a little step further, we've already mentioned this. Who drafted Michael Strahan and Tiki Barber? Now, I think those guys played a part of the Giants making Super Bowl 35. It was George Young who set the table for that. You have guys like Jesse Armstead, Jeremy Shockey. I mean, just think about it. You had some really good players that whether they won, they were there for the winning or not. Whether the GM was there for the winning or not. You can set the table. The whole point of this entire series on GMs and scouts and stuff right now is to give you the stories behind the men, that the players, you know, behind those players and the coaches on the field. Who actually put those teams together? That's what I'm trying to put out here. I had to ask myself this question. Should Ernie Acorsi be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I think he's borderline, to be honest. And to be fair, not everybody in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, not everybody won the Super Bowl. You know, we know that. Championships. Uh, I know it's kind of the be-all, end-all for most people, or a good number of people. There's plenty of people in the Hall of Fame that haven't won a championship. They don't have it to their name. Whether they were a contributor, uh, well, no, 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 no. I might be wrong. I have to check my facts on that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Remember that. But when it comes to executives anyway, I'm not sure exactly what the criteria is. But I could put it at its base if you have success that follows you. And I think, yeah, most of the time it should end in a, in a championship, which that's the reason why I think, um, of course, he is borderline. But you have your set, you got your setup, man, and then you got your closers. I mean, Ernie Acorsi, he was a good setup, man. George Cl uh, Young, he was a closer. He gets coffee. Not bad for a guy who coached high school football for 15 years before getting his shot in the NFL. All right, that's a wrap. All right, let's get to these references. Thank you to Giants.com. Michael Eisen, uh, article written May 1st of this year, 2021. George Young enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Also, ProFootballReference.com, ProFootballHallOfFame.com, the George Young bio. ESPN 30 for 30 from Elway to Marino. I mean, I know I like the back of my hand, but I'll reference it anyway. The New York Times, Michael Katz, dated February 15th, 1979. Newspaper, that is. All right. George Young is appointed general manager of Giants. APnews.com, Tom Canavan, George Young, high school teacher to architect of Giants Super Bowls, July 23rd, 2021. And BrownsNation.com. Ben Donahue dated September 26, 2020, the life and career of Browns general manager Ernie Acorsi. We're shutting this thing down. This is the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Billy Sports. Billy Sports Podcast Network. BillyUpSports.com. Click on it. Search it. Read it. Listen to the shows. Our home podcast platform is Spreaker. But if you don't have Spreaker, don't worry about it. We got you covered. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Search us out. Tell all your friends and family about this show or I'll find your house. Out.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 